Welcome to Living Life Well with Simone Thomas. Today I have Paula Dale, a client of mine over the last three months, a COVID recovering patient, 102 days in hospital, 47 days in ICU and 15 of those days on ventilator. When Paula came out of hospital, she was in a wheelchair. She was having a lot of pins and needles down her body. Her chest felt like concrete um, when I first spoke to her and booked her in. She was referred to me initially for bioenergetics and also for very, very chronic hair loss. And it's now come apparent more um, so recently in the last kind of six to eight weeks of the effects of COVID and the effects that it can have kind of long-term, as well as effects on skin and hair. A lot of people were very surprised about hair loss linking to COVID, whether they were people that were, you know, suffering from COVID at home and self-quarantining, or in cases like Paula that were actually in hospital and then some also in ICU. And what we have to remember with COVID-19 or any other illness that COVID-19 in this case is a very aggressive virus that can damage our bodies in so many different ways from top to toe. And it's still something that the professionals are still learning about, you know, globally. Even the International Association of Trichology has recently reported two different types of hair loss that can come from such a virus, which are diffuse hair loss and alopecia areata. And when kind of people are coming in and, you know, something that we're going to talk about today um, with Paula is because hair is not a vital organ, when your body is running on empty, whether that's from infection, from fever, from shock, trauma, side effects of medication, as well as fluctuations from, you know, hormones, as well as allergies, you know, our hair can start to suffer because hair is not a vital organ. When the body's under strain um, or kind of struggling to keep up as such, our hair can start to shred because it's not needed. And the body kind of looks at itself in the sense of, okay, I've got to get from A to B day to day. So a bit like getting in your car, you know, and let's say you've got a diesel car and you're going from here to there, you know, and every day the car gets there. But one day you go and put in, you know, unleaded, you know, the car might go for a couple of miles and then all of a sudden, you know, the engine stops. And this is how I try to talk to people about the body is that, you know, when your body is going through something and it's not able to kind of fire on all cylinders, you know, the the shaking, the illness, the trembling, you have to call a specialist in, you know, starts to show. And this is very, very similar with kind of what the body goes through and how hair can be kind of an effect of this in regards to kind of hair loss and, and hair shredding. It's a very, very upsetting problem for a lot of people, not just those that have gone through COVID that are suffering from hair loss. You know, for all of us, you know, that have hair or have experienced hair loss, it's very, very upsetting. It can cause a lot of anxiety, depression. It can be very, very frustrating as well. And it is that, you know, huge numbers of men, women and children around the world are affected, you know, and there's so many contributing factors to this, as I said, from genetics, nutritional deficiencies, hormone imbalances, illnesses, viruses, temperatures, certain medical treatments, stress, trauma, pregnancy, childbirth, miscarriages, you name it. As I always say to everybody, there is everything in this world can cause upset in the body and imbalances. And that's one of the things that, you know, we'll talk about today with Paula of her approach of how she's working with specialists in the hospital. And then she's doing a very kind of open mind approach to wellness and fixing herself from within. And this is a huge subject, guys. So obviously, this is a much bigger intro than I would normally do. But whenever I get asked by, you know, journalists or to comment on a radio show about bioenergetics and nutrition and, and, and hair loss, and, you know, you're given 500 words. And I think I really, really want to talk about this because this is something I'm so passionate about. But I need 5,000 words, maybe 50,000 words, like my book that's coming out next year, that hair loss, skin complaints, gut health, the feeling of general well-being is so, so key to our overall day-to-day -day health 
feeling lifestyle and, and wellness that it's not about you know having a shampoo or a conditioner or a spray in the cases of hair loss it's about understanding the type of hair loss that you have got and then saying okay well let's take a step back what has the body gone through what have you gone through you know as an individual or what environment are you currently in are there bacterias are there molds are there imbalances is your gut not absorbing do you have mold or bacteria are you on long-term medication do you have autoimmune you know disorders all of these things, are you having an allergy to something, a reaction? Is your body intolerant? Is there a weakness? Because I talk about it a lot in podcasts that, you know, food is power, you know, as is a lot of things in in life, but also food can be the devil. And also food can be just a bit kind of balanced, but unbalanced to the body. And it's about understanding what's working for your body, not that works for everybody, because all of us are unique. And we've all kind of got a little bit lost that we all seem to follow like sheep. And what we need to do, which Paula has kind of done, is take a step back and listen to our own bodies, which Paula has done. So today, Paula you know, it's just going to kind of tell you about her experience of COVID. And for those that are listening and maybe think that COVID is something not to worry about, and you might hear Paula talking about that she has had, you know, cancers, she suffers with CLL. And, you know, you might be thinking, well, you know, Paula's already high risk, so she's more prone. I get that argument. I do. But have a listen. And I believe that your mind will change at the end of of listening to everything that she's gone through. And I just know with my first consultation with her and Debbie, you know, we spent a good hour to an hour and a half um, over Zoom running her samples. And obviously I had pictures of her hair and her scalp and was able to see everything that was going on in the body and kind of all the long-term and short-term effects that, you know, such illnesses can have. And it's not something you would wish upon anybody, no matter whether you are recovering from home or if you have been in hospital. And, you know, we don't know much about COVID. We just know that it's very, very aggressive virus and it can attack every part of our body. And long-term, we're never going to know till the next five or 10 years where people might be followed, you know, for a Netflix documentary of kind of how their life went after having COVID. But today, Paula will kind of talk about her journey and just more of, what she's gone through. So I will let Paula kind of do a lot of the talking today to just really share her experience with you. But I wanted to do this episode just because there is so much uncertainty. It's something that we're seeing a lot through the the gang that work with me, you know, Georgie, Vanessa for trichology, myself in nutrition, um, Debbie through bioenergetics, Sheikah through bloods, and then the dermatologists that we work with. You know, we're all coming at this with very different approaches, but all of us have the same mindset of how you can heal and treat the body from within. And in Paula's case, it has been, you know, Simone Thomas wellness supplements, the biotin plan, the skin quencher collagen, as well as other things um, to do with gut absorption. We talk about NAC, NAC, which is great for lungs and airways. And it's something that I have been taking all year since I kind of heard about COVID. And it's something I recommend to everybody. So this episode is very, very different to all my others. Normally, as I said, I wouldn't do kind of this big intro like I'm doing now, but it's such a key topic that this is kind of a 20 minute, 10 minute with myself kind of talking about it and the way that we approach and what we're seeing. And then having Paula talking about her experience and how it all kind of comes together. So guys, I hope you enjoy. It's really, really insightful and definitely something to put the kettle on and just kind of switch off the next 45 minutes, you know, to kind of absorb everything that I was just saying and everything that Paula um, has been talking about as well. So guys, welcome to the episode of Living Life Well with Simone Thomas. And as I've said earlier, my guest today is Paula Dale. Paula, welcome to Living Life Well. Thank you. Nice to be with you. I know. I know we've done a lot of these recently, like video calls and um, consultation calls with bioenergetics and, and looking at your hair and, and general wellness and stuff as well. But to kind of give you guys a bit of a background, Paula was in hospital for 102 days. 
Yeah. Yeah. 47 days of that was in ICU and 15 days was on a ventilator. So this is not your typical kind of two weeks, stay at home, isolate kind of case. You know, this is a, a more severe case. And, you know, Paula has been through a lot with the after effects of COVID and, and one of them being, you know, hair loss and, and hair and general well-being. So today um, we're just going to really just talk about kind of Paula's experience, any wise words that she would like to share with you all and kind of talk about her journey. But before COVID obviously happened to Paula, you know, Paula had a very, very active lifestyle, an absolutely incredible job, which I'll let her talk to you about. And then we're just going to kind of take you on a little journey of what's kind of happened for 2020 for Paula and all the things that she's kind of got planned moving forward and, and her kind of positive outlook. So Paula, over to you. Thank you. Well, pre-COVID, I have a very busy job. I'm a journalist. I work for the group that owns the Daily Mirror and the Daily Express, OK Magazine, Scottish titles, regional titles, including big ones that people will know, like the Manchester Evening News, the Liverpool Echo. I started my career 30 years ago um, as a picture editor and have slowly worked my way up into senior management. And I now oversee and manage the whole group, really, from a managing editor's point of view. So it's very busy, filled with daily deadlines, filled with, obviously, lots of different personalities. And it's quite stressful, but it's very interesting, amazing people. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. And then... Obviously, we were all put into lockdown due to COVID. I went into lockdown early because I do have an underlying health condition. I have something called CLL, which is chronic lymphocratic leukemia. So I knew that if I came into contact with the virus, then potentially I was going to be in trouble. So um, I went into lockdown probably about two weeks before anybody else did. But unfortunately, somehow, and we still don't know how, I came into contact with the virus. I had no prior symptoms whatsoever. And just one evening, I didn't feel like eating my dinner, went to bed, and in the middle of the night, went to the loo, and I collapsed. I live with my two children, Tom and Molly. They're 23 and 25. And they very quickly realized that there was some kind of problem, called an ambulance and I was blue lighted into A&E that was on the morning of the 7th of April. It was quite apparent quite quickly that I had caught the virus and was put onto a general COVID ward um, with lots of other COVID patients. And at that point, I was considered a well COVID patient. So my days in the hospital were just spent, you know, chatting to the other patients, reading, you know, watching, watching a little bit of a few videos, things like that. And then 10 days into my hospital stay, once again, in the middle of the night, I collapsed with a soaring temperature and the last thing I actually remember is them saying to me, I'm going to take you to ICU. So I remember the doors of ICU opening and I don't remember a single thing until I came round just over two weeks later. I had been ventilated. I had a tracheostomy. Yeah. Sorry, I had a tracheostomy. And I was very, 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 very poorly at that point. Um, I had been proned and it was only afterwards, after the whole experience, did friends, family start to fill in the gaps really of exactly what had happened and how serious the situation had actually been. The virus had attacked my heart, my lungs and my kidney. And at some point, at one point, I was very close to actually having to have dialysis. But then really, even though I was conscious, the nightmare still really continued. Um, 
I was breathing still with oxygen. I was being fed through a tube. And it was just really, it was quite traumatic. It was really unpleasant. And this went on for for weeks. As Simone has said, I was actually in ICU for 42 days because I then went on to get pneumonia in one of my lungs. My lung collapsed. I had a hole in my lung. I had a neurothorax. And at one point, I actually had three chest drains coming out of my um coming out of my side so it's been it's been quite a bumpy journey really and one that I really wouldn't want anyone else to experience at all so after 42 days I went back down onto the general ward and really it was just about you know beginning to get well again and it was once I was down on the general ward did I actually realize what bad condition my hair was really in. I had a massive big knot at the back of my hair. A very kind male nurse offered to wash my hair for the first time in weeks. But before he could do that, he literally had to take a pair of scissors to my hair and actually cut out the knot. And then as the days went on, I just started to realize as I was brushing my hair, it was just coming out. It was just coming out in clumps. Literally, it was all over the um, bed sheets, and I didn't really think about it at first. But as the the weeks went on, I started to realise actually, I think I think there's a bit of a problem here. But once again, my main focus was on getting better to actually get out of the hospital. So that became my main my main focus really. Everything else was just put to one side. So yeah, 102 days later. I was clapped out of the ward at St. Thomas's Hospital in London. And you think once you get home, you're going to start to get better. But actually, I thought home was going to save me. But once I got home, I actually realized how poorly, actually poorly, how, how poorly I actually still was. I had an acute hospital team come to the house three times a day still to give me IV antibiotics. I still had a chest drain. I couldn't walk. I'd been in hospital for all of that time. Um, I was in a wheelchair and literally I had to start learning to do so many things for myself. I had to learn to walk again. My daughter slept with me in my bed for for a whole month because if I wanted to go to the toilet in the night, I needed help, I needed assistance. Um, and even to walk to the end of the road, I needed oxygen and I needed a Zimmer frame. So I was I was pretty poorly, but my hair was still falling out, yeah. you know. So I decided, as I do, to take things kind of really into my own hands. Fortunately, I've got a team of beauty and fashion girls in the office and Talking to them, Lynn Highland very kindly offered to uh, find a trichologist for me. Hence, I was introduced to Simone, and that's where my journey started. Really, my journey into wellness, and yeah, it's been it's you know I've been home now for exactly three months. I feel very different than I did three months ago, and I look very different to I. D- to what I did three months ago as well. It's been very small steps, but those small steps have added up to quite big strides, really. And I saw my chest consultant yesterday for the first time in two and a half months. And last time I saw her, I was wheeled into her consultation room in a wheelchair. And she was just like, wow, this is amazing to see you being able to walk in and actually looking so well. No, and I can see the difference in you from, can know, we? yeah, I mean, I know for kind of 10 weeks we've been working on kind of your wellness and, and your hair, but just prior to that, just even the sound in your voice, it was like concrete. It was, you know, 45 seconds of talking and then it was just like something was inside of you. And then when yeah. we spoke probably a month ago, the difference then and the difference today is is incredible to see and also to hear and, and stuff as well compared to, you know, 10, 12 weeks ago. 
well, I'm getting my vitality back yeah. with the help of quite a, you know, it's, I think it's a mixed approach. Yeah. I think it's about, it's not just about supplements. It's about having the right approach, having the right attitude, being positive, as positive as, as much as you possibly can. I was diagnosed when I was in the hospital with PTSD and was put in touch with a psychiatrist. And I've been talking to him every week since I've left the hospital. And even he said, there's a thing called the downward spiral, but there's also something called the upward spiral. And it takes people quite a few months to get to that point. He said, but you're at that point already. So it's um, it's quite encouraging to hear from so many health professionals and, and from yourself that people can actually see progress. Definitely. And I think like you say, you know, it's um, one, the power of the mind is so, so clever. And there's definitely something very positive about when you've got a positive approach. And, you know, you, you were saying earlier about your team and, you know, you've got a, a wealth of a, a team around you that, you know, all day, every day, write about health and wellness and, and beauty and, and things. And it's kind of taking that whole approach like the pillar of your health yeah. as everyone calls it whether it's two pillars or five or seven it's looking at everything and I know at the very beginning you were like oh I want to get back into exercise and I was like no you're not take it steady <laughs> and you know and I know Debbie as well who you know has been doing all your bioenergetics and it was things of you know how to get your gut to absorb because you were eating food when we first met obviously but you weren't putting on weight you were actually losing weight you know yeah. and you were doing all the right things with organic foods you were having your flax seeds, you know, you're being really healthy with any breads or pastas or whatever your choices were, but your body just wasn't able to absorb. And it was very much of the first six weeks, let's get your gut kind of working a bit better because it had so many antibiotics and steroids and everything else that it was getting that to kind of become stronger before you kind of do other things. And I know um, yesterday you were saying on WhatsApp, you've now signed up to a pottery class. And I think you went, yeah. was it swimming yesterday as well? I've so yeah, so it's incredible to think, you know, sort of 12 weeks ago when you came out, it was oxygen to go around the block to now getting in a swimming pool and, and going to a pottery class. It's a huge achievement and it's um, something that must be very rewarding, but also something that holds a lot of trauma and a lot of upset as well with everything that you've gone through and that your children have felt and, and seen and stuff as well. Well, I'm going to the gym at the hospital twice a week now with the physios. Yeah. And yesterday I was told that I actually, even though my lungs are improving, I've got a thickening of the of the airways and that isn't going to improve. I've also got a lot of scar tissue as well. But what they have said is the thing that can make that better is actually exercising. Um, so with the guidance of the physios at St. Thomas's, I'm actually going twice a week and I'm, you know, only lifting one kg and actually walking on the treadmill for six minutes. But it's, you know, it's once again, it's it's little little steps, which hopefully will will increase us as the weeks go on. No, definitely. And it's not about, you know, lifting heavy weights like you're saying. I even saw um recently uh, I think it's Elizabeth Hurley she did a, a post and she just lifts two kilogram or three kilogram weights daily for 10 minutes <laughs> that makes me feel so and, much better. and she was like this is all she does you know it's not about going you know big into 10 kilograms and I think her maximum yeah. was five and she was just saying on a, an interview or something that she posted that she does that for 20 minutes a day and it was just certain arm exercises and that's all yeah. she does apart from other stuff but she's never gone heavy she's never gone you know full-on cardio it's a bit kind of like I suppose like pilates and yoga you just work with your own body and very very small weights it's not you know pumping iron in the gym and, and and all of that and it is like you say baby steps it's just kind of listening to your body and making changes and sometimes mixing up what exercises you're going to do and, and listening to when you feel strong versus when you feel actually I think I'll just benefit from watching a movie on the sofa and and kind of resting that way as well well, one of the things, this is the first time that I've come together with other COVID patients, and we've all had different journeys, different experiences. Some have been in ICU, some have just been on the general wards. But the one thing that has actually struck me is 
and one of the one of the the patients said just yesterday that she's very stuck in in still in covid mm. really the effects of it she doesn't know how to move forward and i think with your help with debbie's help and i'm seeing an osteopath I'm also talking to a medical herbalist. What are their names? What are those names of the people that you're seeing so people can kind of look for them and, and, and stuff as well when they listen? Okay, well, Fabiano De Silva, 12 years ago, I actually had bowel cancer and had seven operations in one year. And Fabiano helped me put my body back together again. Um, he's the osteopath and... So this time around, I reached out to him as one of the first people that I spoke to because I thought, if anyone can actually help me, Fabiano can. And it was quite interesting that on Fabiano's website, he also lists a few other practitioners. Richard Adams is the medical herbalist um, that Fabiano um, works with quite closely. So they've also taken a a dual approach in helping to get me better, really. And I think that's what it, it needs, because I know you, um, the last time we spoke, you'd come off a lot of all the prescription medication. And, yeah. You know, that's incredible for how intense it has been on your body. But I yeah. do believe with everything that you've been doing, because you've done, you know, diet changes, um, absorption differences, you know, supplements, um, obviously shampoos and conditioners, but that's a very, very small part of the whole thing that you've gone through. But then yeah. everything else that you've you've been doing in your mindset, it's all kind of like a jigsaw with no picture to follow. It's kind of trying to create that jigsaw without a picture to then get the end piece. And then that last missing piece is when you feel kind of the best that you feel that you're ever going to feel, you know, after going through something like this. One of the physios and the psychologist both asked me the same question, um, where do you want to be by Christmas? And I actually said, I've got no big ambition other than to continue taking small steps. And if by Christmas I can walk without being conscious of my lungs, then I'll be really, really happy. And then I mentioned to the physio that every year I go to a wellness retreat in Portugal um, run by Jason Vale, and it's called Juicy Oasis. This year, for obvious reasons, I haven't been. But they start their morning with a 10K hike into the mountains, and it's really, really beautiful. So I said to her, what I would like to do, my aim is by May, June next year, be able to walk 10Ks. So she said, okay, work, work your way back from that then. So if that's your ambition by May, June to be working, walking that kind of distance, so we've just we've worked out a program. So by the end of this month, um, I'm already walking for four Ks, five K by Christmas, six K by January, et cetera, et cetera. And my daughter actually took me to Ikea the other day and I had Strava on and um, just walking around Ikea was two and a half Ks. Amazing. <laughs> It is, it's, it's like you say, it's taking your mind off something, but then yeah. you realize at the end what you've achieved. And it's always nice to have an end goal, you know, because yeah. it, it keeps you going and, and, and stuff as well. It's all about kind of positive mindset and, and things as well. So, I mean, are you back at work at the moment? Because I know obviously things have massively changed. Are you still trying not to and, and still looking after yourself as your main priority? Yeah, looking after myself um, has actually turned into a full-time job yeah. and I'm signed off until the end of this month. But speaking to the consultant, chess consultant yesterday, it'll probably be easily into the new year before I'm fit enough to go back. The physios have actually said I'm about 50% fit at the moment. So hasten slowly yeah. is one of the things that I've been you know, being told. So just carry on doing what I'm doing. I think I've exceeded everybody's expectations of where I should be at this point. Fabiano, the osteopath, said a really nice thing. He said, you're like the phoenix who's actually started to rise from the ashes. Yeah. And I thought that was actually quite a nice thing for him to say. 
And I feel that way. I definitely feel that I'm beginning to gain strength. I'm not getting so tired. I'm not getting so breathless anymore. Those things are still issues, but, you know, they're they're not as dominant as they were before. No, and I remember you saying at the beginning that when you first saw him, he was saying that your tank was completely empty and it's something that on your first bioenergetics that Debbie picked up upon and it was kind of you don't want to go too quickly too soon on the body. So it was very, very basic things about absorption. And once you kind of get that in, your then body became stronger and I think they fitted in within a few days of each other and the next time that you went to see him, he was like, yep, I can see a little spark in the body and and, and stuff (laughs) as well. And it's a really incredible approach that when, you know, different people that don't know each other, but they've got a very similar outlook and, you know, you're, you're the person in the middle that we're all coming at different angles, but between everybody and everything that you're doing, you do start to see you, you know, like you're glowing and I know you probably don't feel like it and you think, well, I'm not like I was before and your hair's growing back and, you know, it's, you got, you know, good color in your skin, you know, all of those things. And it's the things that we notice probably more than you because we don't see you every day where you see yourself in the mirror. So it always sometimes takes a stranger or somebody that you don't see all the time to see the such a positive effects that, you know, you can kind of see from 12 weeks ago. Yeah. Well, I shared with you this morning, didn't I, the regrowth of my hair, Yeah, which, you know, just in the last few weeks is really quite significant. So I'm not, I couldn't specifically say what it is that's actually making the difference, but collectively, as you've said, the collective approach is actually making something's working. No, it will do. And I, I always say to people, no matter whether it's hair, skin or, you know, general well-being, it's not about taking a tablet and hoping for the best. It's looking at everything. So you've got to look at your lifestyle. You've got to look at how much sleep you're getting, what foods you're putting in, what drinks you're drinking, you know, your mindset. Are you exercising? It's There's no one miracle cure for anything out there. Otherwise, there wouldn't be all the other different products. <laughs> it, it is always taking that approach of, you know, what's not working? How can I fix it? but it is working on every part of your body internally and externally. And I think, you know, when we talked about kind of like hair care products and I said, you know, these are great, but they're just a Band-Aid. They're not going to fix what's going on internally. So it's let's get the best food into you. Let's try and get, you know, your lungs better, your hair, your skin, your gut. And then all of a sudden, because your body's able to cope with what's going through, your hair will start to grow back because it's not a vital organ. And, you know, and you can definitely see that, like you say, with your pictures today compared to 10 weeks ago, you know, it's incredible. You know, it's it's a lot of growth, a lot more than what a normal person that hasn't gone through hair loss would get on a, on a monthly basis. It's incredible to see. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, hair loss, um, one of the questions the beauty director um, of Notebook actually asked me was, you know, what does it feel? And it, it's, it's something I, I've always, my hair is something I've always taken for granted. You know, I've looked after it. I go to the hairdressers regularly, but then all of a sudden to have clumps of hair just falling out, it's very personal and it's actually quite traumatic. You know, I mean, it's important how we look. I like to think I'm quite natural. I don't wear any makeup. You know, I look after myself, look after my skin. Um, All of those things I've done before, but what post-COVID has actually done has actually made me hone in a lot more on, you know, well-being, my nutrition, making sure I drink a lot of water every single day, get lots of rest, the supplements that, you know, um, Debbie's recommended for me to take. Um, And just generally that, you know, seeing such an improvement in such a short space of time, you know, is really encouraging. And I thank everybody for their support and their input into actually getting me better and getting me well again. No, definitely. And I mean, is it something I know, obviously, we've had newspaper articles and and OK magazine. Are you keeping like a diary of kind of over the next 12 months of how you feel? Are you going to write a book, maybe? I mean, have (laughs) you had all these ideas? Because everybody kind of has, you know, Netflix documentaries like Heal or, or the documentary about Teflon and the effects on the body and 
so many people are, are catching COVID and so many people are suffering in different ways. Some are having it that don't even realize. And there's very, very mixed emotions and a lot of anger right now, especially in yeah. the last 48 hours with announcements of lockdown. And, you know, some groups are, you know, uh, abiding by it, others aren't. And it's, um, it's very, very hard because no one's got the right answer from, you know, like a government point of view. None of us could do a better job than what's being done. But it's only yeah. when you see people and what they've gone through do you actually realize that I wouldn't want to take the risk of even getting it being at home, let alone that risk of being taken into hospital at all? No. And I think, um, I think it's um, a friend saw me when I first came out of hospital and then saw me again two weeks ago. And she said that, you know, up until me, she'd only seen it on the TV or read about it. And she said, knowing you before you got COVID and then coming to visit you just when I came out of hospital, she just said, I just went home and I just cried because the reality was there right in front of her. And it, she said it, it's, it's made her think not just twice, three times about, you know, just those simple things about keeping your distance, washing your hands, being careful about, you know, who you come into contact with wearing a mask and all those kind of things. And I know that my friends and family, they would have taken it seriously anyway, but actually seeing the impact on me has, they've really got strong opinions on it now. Yeah, No, it's true. And I think, um, like you say, people, you know, listening might say, well, you know, you were classed as high risk anyway. And okay, yes, in some arguments, maybe, but even people that are marathon runners and, you know, haven't suffered from forms of cancer, you know, they've still been critically ill, you know, and, and Debbie yeah. and I have seen that through bioenergetics and, you know, obviously we read about it and even people that have been very blasé have then come forward in the press and said, I didn't even respect COVID because I'm, you know, Mr. Muscle Man or, or whatever. And, and then they've been critically ill. And one guy in the news the other day, he actually, he actually died, you know, and he was very, very healthy. Yeah. Um, that, I think it's like anything. It's like anyone can go in the car and have a car accident, but whether you survive that car accident or not, you don't know. And it's the same with this, that just because you look healthy or you haven't had an underlying health condition doesn't mean that it's not going to affect you as bad as somebody that might be coming from your health background. That I think it's definitely something that we've got to respect until we get to the point that if there is a vaccine and all these other things, but even then, you know, it's one of the things that it's a very, very new virus that I don't think I would want a bloody vaccine put into me because <laughs> no, you just think, good God. So it's, it's very hard. And, you know, I, I, I worry because my boy's father, he's got a brain tumor. So he's kind of classed as high risk, but he is a risk taker. You know, he's gone through so much that he's, oh, it's not going to happen to me. And, you know, I've got 20 lives and, and whatever. But I make sure that even my young boys are, you know, dosed up with vitamin D and oregano and knack and even my staff, because it's what I've seen a lot of time through like yourself and others with bioenergetics, that it's very, very similar patterns, no matter how severe of what the body's in actual need of. So I've been making sure those around me, I've just been literally sending them parcels of like Simone Thomas wellness <laughs> plans and Epsom yeah. bath salts and all the other things because you know yourself most definitely you you have um been the longest case that I've come in contact with for sure you know and, and and been treating others have just been three four weeks and at home and then suffered with very very severe hair shredding but not to you know the extreme that you've you've suffered yeah so I always have kind of linked back and said to people like listen you know there's, there's a lady, a client, and this is what she's gone through, you know, yeah. and still kind of, you know, working on yourself now. And a lot of the people that have even had it at home, they're still not back at work. You know, they feel tired. Like you mentioned when we first met, their lungs feel like concrete. They're very yeah. lethargic. They're not putting on weight. Um, they've got pins and needles, loss of sensations in arms and legs, which I know you kind of suffered from. Some of them have got kind of like menopause symptoms and all of these things that weren't really there. It's just a huge array, but it's very hard to pinpoint what is because of, you know, having COVID and what was going to happen just naturally, even if you didn't have it. But it's kind of the unknown. It's the big question mark, I think, for all of us, and it will be for some time. Yeah, and there's no landscape. Um, the medical people that I come into contact with are quite honest about the fact that 
you know, they don't know and they're learning all the time. And it terrif- the second wave actually terrifies me mm. because they've learned a lot. And I think people will get treated probably in a different way than they did the first time around. But people have really got to adhere to the, the tiers that they're putting in place and the rules that they're putting in place because the small group that um, I exercise with, it's a massive gym at St. Thomas's Hospital. It takes probably about 20, 20 patients at a time, but they've restricted it to six patients only. And there's um, there's a physio per patient, you know, and they're checking our um, SAT levels regularly. My heart's monitored as I'm exercising. Yeah. And it's such an eclectic group. There's one guy who's in his 30s, no underlying health conditions, but he ended up in, in ICU. He's no idea why. But then there's, you know, people older than me, people the same age as me. And and it, it, it hasn't got any boundaries. It really hasn't, no. you know, and um, everybody, everybody is suffering and struggling on their own personal journeys, really. No, it's true. And I think those around, like, you know, your children, everybody's suffering, whether you know someone that's been affected or you have, everybody you know, it's like, it's like mental trauma, you know, it's something you're not going to forget. It's, it's like someone going to war in the olden days. It's something that you'll, you you know, you're going to remember forever. And we talked about it, you know, some time ago that the body's like a sat nav, the body remembers, hence why through all the treatment that you've been doing with all the specialists, your body's very clever and it stores it just because you don't remember the body does. It's just kind of hidden in a box somewhere that you just can't remember right now. And you said earlier that when you got taken through, you know, it's things that you can't remember till you came out and then the applauding, you know, and, and that's must be very, very hard as well. Cause none of us not like to not remember, you know, it's very, very hard to, to kind of deal with and, and, and stuff as well. And kind of on your general well-being and your mindset, has that changed in how you kind of cope just generally in life now? I mean, do you write a lot more? Do you keep a diary? Have you changed about how you kind of cope with anxiety? I've stopped worrying about things I have no control over. Yes, um, I'm writing things down. And I'm trying to bring a much better balance into my life. I mean, I was very much kind of boom and bust before. You know, I think we all are. We all yeah. run around uh, without hesitation. We don't think about it. And then, you know, collapse a few days later, drink coffee, um, all of those kind of things. But I can, it's, I'm taking a much more holistic approach, not just to my health but my life in general I think hence going to the pottery class tomorrow you know um just have something to focus on to concentrate on to take my mind off everything else really of course I'm keeping a diary keeping a picture diary as well so yeah it'll be very interesting in a year's time to look back hopefully and and be able to see the difference And I'm quite determined, even though the hospital have said there's nothing really more they can do for my lungs. The scarring is always going to be there. The thickening of the airways is always going to be there. I'm quite determined to come out of this stronger, fitter, healthier, actually, than I was before. And I think my mindset has actually is quite focused in one direction. And that is about getting better and but enjoying it along the way you know it doesn't have to be I take a lot of enjoyment from being with my kids I try not to take on too much but the one thing I get a lot of pleasure from doing is actually cooking dinner you know so um so nourishing not just myself but my family is actually really important to me yeah 
food's key, you know, on anything, yeah. whether it's you've been unwell or whatever, food's, you know, one of the most important parts of day-to-day life. And a lot of us kind of forget that. And, you know, you mentioned Jason Vale and, and going to that retreat. And I know um, I talked about it on another po- podcast, is it Wimp Hop, who's all about the breathing and cold water swimming. And I think there's a documentary I think I saw advertised last night on Sky or on on Netflix that's due to come out about health benefits of cold water swimming, but it was all to do with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and a way of treating. And when that comes out, it's something I'm going to watch because it's always quite interesting about how cold water can help, you know, with the immune system and and with lungs and and stuff as well. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I've been focusing on is, is my immune system, because obviously with um, having leukemia, my defenses are quite low. Yeah. So I think with the help of the supplements that Debbie's recommended that I take, you know, the knack that we've already discussed yeah. and things like that, it's it's about getting me as fit and as strong as I possibly can be to, to enjoy the rest of my life. No and that's what I'm quite determined to do. Yeah, and you look amazing. I know people obviously can't see you, but from you know when you know sort of ten, twelve weeks ago, and and whatever, and just seeing your pictures today, and a lot of it, you know, it's all down to you and your determination. But like you're saying, not putting yourself under that stress that it's got to be regimented that you can live and you can have fun, and you know, if you're having a bad day, it doesn't matter. You just switch off, and you know, like the rest of us, just go with whatever the body's kind of telling you, you know. And you've got an amazing approach with kind of listening to your body and and what it kind of needs I did a a mindfulness course a couple of years back really and with everything that you do it just flies straight out of the window but I was quite surprised when I was actually in the hospital they actually came and engaged with us in quite a mindful way and they would sit and they would read passages of mindfulness to us quite often I fell asleep I have to admit but you know, that's what I, I'm taking more time to do things. I'm thinking about things, whether it's just sitting and enjoying my food or spending time reading. I'm a lot more mindful of stopping, you know, I mean, COVID has put a big fat full stop on my life, but I'm just spending more time doing things as opposed to rushing around like I did before, really. And I'm, enjoying that I'm really getting a lot of pleasure from you know even small things are actually making quite a big difference but I think that's something we've all learned that it actually it's the small things in life right now that hopefully we get more pleasure from than the big flashy kind of crazy things that maybe we all did in the past and I think a lot of people even those that haven't had COVID are really kind of spending more time on themselves and realizing getting up at 6am and getting on a tube and, you know, not having time with families, not important for the paycheck. It's the other way around that family and friends are more important than the the, the kind of busy stuff that, you know, long-term can make you unwell. And if you're not here, you know, what's the kind of point for living your life that way and stuff as well. But um, it's been incredible to obviously catch up with you today for the podcast thank you and hopefully you know it it gives some insight to a lot of people right now that are either oh what's covid you know it's not going to happen to me and you know and whatever and it's kind of understanding that you know it affects everybody you know differently whether those that have had it or those that are on the outside looking in that have got loved ones you know like yourself um you know and your mindset's incredible you know you've definitely got an incredible journey to tell. And and like you say, it's all about now staying safe, going into winter and staying positive because we don't know what the next few weeks are going to hold for any yeah. of us right now. And just kind of, yeah, spending time with family and loved ones and, and just looking after you and being a little bit selfish and, and just loving yourself and, and just working <laughs> on you than, than anybody else, really. Um, I agree. But it's been, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, in the nicest way, I've 
lucky that you've come into my life because it's been lovely in the sense to see the improvements that you've made on yourself from, you know, something so horrific to where you are today. And it's, you know, I don't wish illness on anybody, you know, no matter what illness it is. And when somebody comes into your life that's gone through something like you to be, you know, 1% of that journey, whether it's myself or Debbie and, and everybody else you've got around you, it's, um, it, it's beautiful to see, to see that, you know, we've, we've kind of given you that little bit of hope yeah. and a little bit of help, if that makes sense. But all the hard work, you know, comes down from you, what you feel in your heart and your kind of mindset. And it's been, you know, a, a nice journey in that sense of how well you have done over the last 10 to 12 weeks. Thank you. That's, that's very kind of you to say that. And um, as I said before, thank you for everything that you and Debbie have done. You're so easy to talk to. It's <laughs> You're like talking to my best friend. It's, you know, you make it so easy and explain everything so simply that, you know, it's not it's not words that just kind of baffle you or anything like that. You you just present it in such a way that it's it's accessible and understandable and, and easy to kind of follow, really. And something's definitely working. Amazing. I couldn't put my finger on what <laughs> what exactly it is but something's definitely working yeah well just keep doing what you're doing and you know as you know like when I message you like don't overdo it take it easy and you know and all of that kind of stuff as well and I look forward to seeing your creation of pottery whichever way that goes I'll I'll send you something in the post okay (laughs) I know if I did it it'd be a blob with like little legs it was meant to replicate a sheep and it wouldn't that's for sure (laughs) I'm really excited about it you know as you said I've spent the summer in the garden yeah just kind of feeling the warmth on my skin and kind of being around nature and yeah. doing a little bit of potting a little bit of digging I think has really helped yeah. but as you said now the winter months are drawing in I just needed something quite earthy something yeah quite tactile to do yeah. and I so yeah I'll um I'll share my creations with you amazing <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, Paula, it's been absolutely amazing to catch up with you. I know we'll obviously catch up offline away from the podcast and and everything that we're doing. But thank you for sharing your story. I know it's never an easy story to share, no matter how many times you have to repeat yourself and and, and speak to different people. You know, it's still very upsetting and it still can be very, very raw. So I'm hoping for those that are kind of listening you know, if they are a little bit blase, it makes them kind of take a few steps back and actually think, you know what, this could be my mum, my father, this could be me or, you know, whatever. It really can, you know, affect us all. And it's something that we need to have a lot of respect for and kind of a a, a better approach to definitely. But thank you. I'll let you go and make a nice herbal tea now and and put a movie on um, and and rest and stuff. And um, obviously have a great time tomorrow with your pottery lesson. But thank you ever so much for today and and, and sharing your story thank you take care bye bye thanks for listening if you want to send me your questions your emails do you can follow me and the podcast on social media you can find me on simone thomas wellness i'm also facebook simone thomas wellness world and i'd just really love to hear from you 